0: It's basically the concept of don't try and build for 10,000 people. If you're in a 10,000 person community, try and build for 10 and just like have meaningful conversations and relationships. And if people like who you are and like what you're kind of working towards and building towards, then they'll be more likely to think good things about you, associate good things with you, maybe join you when you do go on to have a community.
1: You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Zeneca. Zeneca is a Web3 and NFT investor, he's an advisor, a content creator, and a project founder. He writes a newsletter on NFTs, hosts two podcasts, runs a YouTube channel, and has over 300,000 followers on Twitter. He also manages two NFT communities, one which I am a member of, the Zen Academy, all with a focus on creating educational content to help people learn about this wild world of Web3. We talk about building a community on generosity, how giving away learning will unlock future value for you. And he shares that the secret to building a community is doing the unscalable and how to motivate people to build your brand with you. Enjoy. Well, Zeneca, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate the time and I know you're a very, very busy human being doing all of the things. So thank you for joining us.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been uh, I've been looking forward to it. We had a chat, god, I think it was a week ago, just maybe with mm-hmm. less than a week ago about what we were going to talk about, getting to know each other and that was really pleasant and and I really enjoyed chatting with you then, so I look forward to chatting with you more.
1: Cool. So, I mean, I think let's start. I'm interested, you know, this podcast is is all around branding and building brands and you've managed to sort of build yourself quite a large personal brand and you've now kind of, you know, leveraged that into building sort of a company brand. Can you talk about how you went about sort of building Zeneca, the, the, the brand? And I always find it weird to talk about personal branding because you're ultimately a person, but how did, how did you think about sort of positioning yourself and, and kind of building the audience that you've built?
0: trust me i find it weird too it's <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> i still haven't quite gotten fully used to it but uh it was it was never intentional so like from day 1 i didn't say i'm going to sit out and build a brand and i want to be a content creator or anything like that it was so i created my twitter account in march 2021 and i just chose the name zeneca 33 for that's a whole like, various reasons and uh you know for a couple months you know i had very few followers. I wasn't even tweeting that much. And then I started a newsletter and I I did that because I enjoy writing. I feel like I learn best if I have to explain something to someone else. And I was just like knee deep in, neck deep in NFTs and this whole world. And I was like, Hey, I like, you know, it would be cool to have a, a, a newsletter, a blog, something to write about that just sort of breaks up the, the trading and all that kind of things. And it just started to sort of of take off because this would have been in, I think, June 2021. So sort of like at the beginning of the the massive bull run. And there just wasn't a lot of NFT content out then. Uh, I even remember like on Twitter, the largest accounts and the quote-unquote influencers had like 20,000, 30,000 followers. So the entire space was Mm -hmm. very small compared to the crypto space, compared to the real world, compared to everything else. And so by being a content creator and creating content that people seem to like and resonate with, uh, it was just very easy to just sort of get caught up in the entire bull run. So it wasn't just prices were going up, but like anyone that was creating content or tweeting or anything, uh, decent, half decent would just sort of see their following go up as well. So, uh, that's kind of how it all began my newsletter. And then I started tweeting some daily floor price updates. And that was like another pivotal moment that really started my Twitter account blowing up. And yeah, like that, that's the the beginning and the origin story of, of Zeneca, I guess, and, and the content. And from there, I just realized, I love this. <laughs> I, I enjoy doing this a lot more than <laughs> just Flipping, trading JPEGs, uh, you know, the, the emotional swings of that are, are not that fun. I just, you my, know, my background it was about 17 years as a professional poker player. So I, I was okay with it. Like I, I knew how to handle the swings and the stress and all of that, but it was still just, it wasn't fun and it wasn't fulfilling or rewarding. I didn't feel like I was adding or contributing to society or helping others. But then creating content, I was like, hey, I enjoy this and I feel like it's helping people and maybe I could turn it into like a career and all of this other stuff. Let me just go kind of all in on this. And that's kind of what I did where I I was thinking about how can I, you know, in the traditional, quote unquote, traditional world, if you're a content creator, if you're writing something or, or releasing something and you want to monetize it, it's generally something like a Patreon or... Um, paid ads, or subscription yeah. sponsorships, affiliate links, all of those things, and I was like, "Well, I could go down that route, but it just felt disingenuous." And and the Web three space has a bit of an allergy to like a lot of those things. And I thought, "Well, what, why don't I just? I mean, it makes total sense to do something NFT related because that's what I'm all about." So that's when Zen Acad- That's like kind of where Zen Academy came from. I was like, "Well, okay, maybe if I want to go full time and do this as my." my job and, uh, not rely on anything else, not really rely on trading either. Uh, it makes sense to think about some way to monetize and also allow me to create a lot more content and like bring other yeah. people on board alongside me. So now there's, there's a team, there's a lot of us working on Zen Academy and even the Zeneca brand. It's, it's very much not just me doing it. It's, it's, I have a lot of support. So that's kind of where it all started from.
1: I mean, I love that you've, you've built sort of your, Brand and career and following an audience out of being generous and just giving giving things away, but I also like. I think that's the
0: best way, honestly. I I I can't agree
1: more. I uh, I think kind of exactly like you said. By by teaching, you learn so much, and you know I think by giving it away and sharing it, it kind of the the good things just sort of naturally find their way back to you, which but it's not necessarily a easy thing to do because I think there's an opportunity to sort of make a ton more money in the short term if you start mm. kind of gating oh, it and start charging people a dollar a month to subscribe. I'm sure you could be making a lot more money short term, but I'm not sure if it would build you as big or as successfully in the long term.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And not only that, it's sort of, there are a lot of opportunities to make money in the short term that might hurt your brand. And like, you know, that's just like people will say, uh, take money to retweet something. And I never wanted to do that because it's just very disingenuous and it's not, you know, it very quickly cheapens your brand if people know that Mm. your tweets can be bought or something like that. And so I've worked pretty hard trying to avoid that. And it gets really tricky and hairy sometimes because if you're a like I like to advise and be a consultant for projects and like, you know, really help on the strategy side. And you know, I've I've founded two projects now. I've I've spoken to hundreds of founders and I feel like I have something to offer. But then sometimes uh you get into situations where you you're an advisor for a project and, and this happened a lot last year. Now I'm a little more Um, or less naive but it's like they they they'll pay you to be an advisor but all they really want is to sort of slap your name on some advertising and tweet it everywhere and then maybe ask you to retweet something or maybe ask you to join a twitter space and then the lines between sort of advising and and marketing and promotion promoting get really blurred so it's a delicate needle to thread or, or line to walk or something to balance <laughs> one more metaphor uh, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's worth uh yeah just keeping the long term in mind I think if if you want to like if you want to as I do want to be in this space and just like doing this kind of thing for like literally decades you know I I, I could have just cash grabbed taken a bunch of money done it legally retired and and just sat in a beach but I very consciously said I don't want to do that not only because it's unethical, but also because I didn't want to live a life where it's just I had no purpose and was just sitting on a beach. It's like I I, I knew myself and I knew that if I did that, I would end up uh, just in a bad place mentally. And and I do better. I mean the 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 what's it the 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 phrase that always rings through my head is uh, idle hands are the devil's plaything. And I think that if mm. I I know that if I didn't have things to busy myself, I would do things that were not good for me. So. Mm.
1: That's, I mean, uh, uh, interesting. On the one hand, you seem to be quite, you know, accidental in the things that you create, but you also seem to have quite a strong kind of sense of self or sense of what's important to you. You know, so it might seem accidental, but it is guided a little bit by what you or what you think about, as opposed to just letting it sort of freewheel you and everything around it.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a yeah definitely both of those things where at least for the for the first maybe say 6 12 months it, it, there was a lot of stuff happening without me putting four thought into it and then I would like it would happen I would like okay so this is just occurred this is life is happening around me how can i adapt and adopt the situation now it's a lot more of the reverse whereas like all right so i'm in this position now where do i want to go from here and and how do i want to get there and so it's definitely reverse it's a lot less accidental now everything that happens but to begin with yeah it was just yeah i'm just yolo let's see where this goes yeah yeah
1: so, so I'm super interested, you know, you, 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 like you've said, you sort of pieced this thing together, um, you know, haphazardly or and in a very ad hoc fashion, you know, and I bought one of your, I stupidly didn't buy one of the three threes. I just bought one of the, um, the Zen Academy, um, pieces. And I always have a bit of a giggle when I look at it in my, in my wallets, you know, this sort of quality of the design um was let's say (laughs) not as good as what you have now you know your brand has sort of from a visual standpoint lifted up a huge amount is it is it interesting to you to look back on those pieces now kind of where you're sitting and how does that feel
0: yeah honestly i love them i i knew that like because i i didn't want to I mean, I, I love them, and I also I agree that the quality is terrible. I did it in Canva myself, and I'm not an artist or anything like that. It's just it's a letter that I got a template and just added in my own spin. And it's like, let's put a border here, let's write some text, and let's slap the logo on here, which we had created. Um, that's a whole other story, but uh, it it was very much just a. I didn't want the art to be. The reason people were buying I didn't want the roadmap to be people the reason people were buying. I wanted people to like read the letter and read mm. the reason for joining this, and it was a very much an experiment because I was very honest about it. I have no roadmap i don't know where we're going from here. I just want to try and figure this out as I go along, and I want a community of people alongside me who are sort of dedicated to learning or interested in um, bettering themselves self improvement helping others. Uh, navigating web three basically and understanding nfts and and also with a uh, sort of like a, a, a mission towards onboarding newcomers to the space because i think that's always an important thing to keep in mind and mm. yeah so for that reason it was just yeah slapped together very quickly done um you know the entire i mean i had the the project in my mind for a couple of months but then I sort of hit the go button in early October and reminted in early November. And it was like that's within that month, we got the smart contracts together, we got the website, we got the the quote unquote art, the the piece. And yeah, so so that it was very much just an experiment. And then it still is. But then, you know, over the course of the next several months, I sort of started getting more people to join the team. And we started thinking about where do we go from here? You know, what is Zenekat? Account- what is an academy? What kind of brand and culture do we want it to, to have? We started leaning more into all sorts of other things. And that's where sort of like a soft rebrand came along where we had a new logo. We now have some nicer artwork to represent us and and there's a lot more to it than that. So yeah, I'm happy with where it was, but I'm also glad that uh, we've moved on from that as, as, as is tends to happen.
1: Well, I guess you're always, you're always evolving as you're learning. Um, so, so I'm going to ask the question that the whole internet
0: wants to know. Why purple? <laughs> oh, that's totally a coincidence. So, again, it's, it's a lot of this is accidental. People ask me why Zeneca. It's because when I created my Twitter account, I had looked around my desk and there was a book by the stoic philosopher Seneca, And I was like, all right, let me do something with that. Why 33? I was 33 years old at the time. Why purple? Uh, so I had my bored ape and my friend and co-host of, of uh, my podcast, Two Board Apes, Jamie, he, I think he was just playing around with like art blocks pieces and um for his own PFP and his own banner, he was like putting his ape in front of things. And he was like, I can do this for you if you'd like, you know, just send me your ape or send me some art blocks and I'll do it. And he did it with a few different ones. And I was like, oh, that looks really cool. So he put a art blocks piece uh, from the collection, Ecumenopolis, uh, in my background, and it just happened to be a purple one, and I just happened to use that as my PFP, and I was like, it was nice. And then eventually, it just sort of merged with the brand, and now it's inescapable. And I, I love it. Like I like the color, don't get me wrong, but it was not an intentional thing. I didn't grow up loving the color purple. It was never my, I just, yeah, it was just, again, another happy accident.
1: I love that story. But I guess the one thing you haven't been sort of accidental about is building community i think you've built one of the strongest most active you know i mean a bunch of different discords very few of them have the same level of of engagement that that the the zen academy discord does um, and it's always interesting uh, you know i I've run a business so I, I don't spend many hours in discord but i always love to go and look at the introductions you know where people Mm. go in and it's always you know just seeing the joy of people finding it and buying it and stepping in you know and how welcoming everyone is it's it's definitely a testament to how you've built uh, like a community and not just like a number of humans who, who happen to be there but there's actually a group of people who are working with each other and for each other and together, which is quite cool. Can you talk about how you, A, how did you find your first follower? Like, how did you convince people to to <laughs> follow along before this thing was even a thing? And And how do you think about community now?
0: Yeah, in terms of. Well let me first say the introduction channel is is my favorite channel. I love it. It's just for the same reason you do. It's really great to sort of see people as they they find and join Zen Academy. Uh, how did I find my first follower and how did that happen? I don't really know. It's sort of like it's a bit of a blur where a lot of th- several things were happening at once. I had my my Twitter account with not that many followers. I started my my newsletter and I would just like be in like back in in those days be in a bunch of different discords chatting around and like you start to meet people and sort of get to know the same people going from one project to another. And yeah, I mean, basically what happened was, uh, I had already had like a decent Twitter following because of my daily stats and and my newsletter and other things. And then one day I just decided, um, let me just open the discord. So I, I can't remember actually, if it was like a, just I was just saying, I want to have a Discord if, if it was already Zen Academy at that point in my mind. Uh, I think it was already Zen Academy. Anyway, I just tweeted it out. And then, you know, actually, no, before that, I think I think I posted in some smaller private Discords I was in. And maybe 50 people joined, 50 to 100, over the course of a couple of weeks. And they were like the the first people in there. One of them, Tony... I don't know. He might've been the first person in the discord or one of the first few, he um, became our first moderator. He became our first community manager. He became, I believe the first paid, uh, staff member, maybe the second. And, uh, yeah, just from there, it just sort of continued. So like uh, 50 to a hundred people. And then I tweeted it out and then a bunch, like a couple thousand people I think joined. And then it was like, just, all right, this is going crazy. Uh, anyone, I need some help moderating. Anyone want to volunteer to be a moderator? And then, you know, one thing led to another and it just sort of built up from there. Um, and uh, sorry, I forgot the second question. How do I go about building community?
1: Yeah, how do you think about it now? So, you you know, you kind of, you've got it now, but now you're sort of building this thing, you know, and, I know, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but you've launched 30 days of NFTs. You do all these sort of interesting kind of engagements with people, um, you know and, and the kind of followings growing quite rapidly, how do you think about your community now and you know for people who are sort of looking to build one you know what do you, what is the kind of advice or tips or pointers that you would give to them for for thinking about gathering people together like this?
0: I think the biggest piece of advice I can give is that uh, it, it starts with one to one relationships and it's and Doing the unscalable is something that you know is is something well known in the startup world. I did not even hear about that as a term until maybe a month or two ago. But it's basically the concept of uh, don't try and build for ten thousand people if you're in a ten thousand person community. Try and build for ten and just like have meaningful conversations and relationships. And if people like who you are and like what you're kind of working towards and building towards, then they'll be more likely to. Think good things about you, associate good things with you, maybe join you when you do go on to have a community, and then also take it a step further and tell their friends and family members and other people about it and that's when you can just if you keep doing that eventually you build up this sort of snowball effect of this momentum when there's enough people that sort of have good thoughts and good vibes and good feelings towards a community because they you know it aligns with their values and their their um maybe it's a similar um, the, the culture and the vibes are, are what they're into, and like it, that could be anything. You know, there are amazing communities around um, finding alpha or degenning. There's amazing communities around um, sports. There's amazing community around gaming, and it's just it's about finding the type of people and and the the, the um, or just people that will sort of join your similar vision and ethos and culture. And you know, it's not going to be for everyone, uh, but it is. It is billions of people out there in the world you don't need to find that many of them that are just sort of willing to sort of join along with what you're doing so uh basically just start with one to one conversations and take it from there and keep, and, and keep doing cool. it like never stop doing those one to one conversations so do
1: you still actively engage do you still have time and and bandwidth to
0: to play with people I'm in the discord every single day like I, I'm still the most active person in that discord we have <laughs> we have a bot that has a leaderboard of like who posts the most messages and I'm still at number one I maybe I mean at some point maybe others will overtake me and I, I would kind of love if that happened because it means that the community is thriving without my being there, but I love being there. I love chatting in both the three through three and Zen Academy. Uh, I like responding to people on Twitter. I like replying to emails. I like replying to dms but it 's all like it 's very difficult to stay on top of all of it, but I still spend oh. a ton of time doing it because I like it and I think it, it breeds meaningful relationships and actually, in about ninety minutes after we 're done here, I have seven fifteen minute calls with just basically random people that follow, that read my newsletter because I posted a Calendly link at the end of my last newsletter and said, anyone that wants to check in for 15 minutes and hear maybe about what Zen Academy is and, and have a conversation, just book a slot and we'll, we'll take some time and think and see if uh, maybe Zen Academy is a good place for you. And, and so I, I have no idea what to expect. It's just seven 15-minute calls in a row just with people either in the community or who might want to join the community.
1: I like that. It's it's kind of like community chat roulette. Um, let's just hope it's not yeah. filled with the, all the things that chat roulette is.
0: I'm very uh, optimistic you know, in general. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think it's also, you know, the filter's there. So somebody is subscribed right, to your yeah. newsletter. They've made it to the yeah, end yeah, yeah. of the newsletter. So they yeah, kind of. This was not uh, you know, on
0: Reddit or something yes. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think exactly. I think your you're Ask Me Anything 15 minute call with Reddit would be a very different experience. <laughs> yeah. Um I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super interested, you know, in this idea of do the unscalable. You know, you did uh, a while ago, you did Zenmus. Um can you talk mm. a little bit about Zenmus? I know you're setting up for another Zenmus, but I, I love I love the whole idea and the execution and everything about it. It makes it like it fills me with a lot of joy when I think about it. So can you talk about Zenmus? Yeah.
0: Zenmus is uh obviously it's a play on Christmas it's actually based on the 12 days of Christmas. We did the 12 days of Zenmas and we started it back in December, 2021. So it was one of the first things we did after we minted, we minted in November and basically I had just raised all this ETH and I was like, well, what should, what should I do with it? (laughs) Uh, You know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do. And obviously a lot of it has been spent this year on building out a team and and infrastructure and and other things. But uh, I was like, I love art. I love commissioning art and working with artists. and uh, I did basically two things. One was I, I found three or four artists that I really love and I were sort of well-known names in the space or established and commissioned pieces from them. And this was pre-Zenmas. This was not related to Zenmas, but I, I, I got them to create three, like uh, editions of three. And then we kept one in the Zen Academy vault. We raffled one off to the Zen Academy community and raffled one off to the 333 community. And you know the, they cost a few ETH each because they were like, high profile artists and, and that was great. But then I was like, well, this is great for the established artists, but it doesn't really do much for the up and coming artists. And it doesn't do much for the rest of the Zen Academy community who doesn't win that one of three raffle or one of two raffle. Mm. So that's where the idea of Zenmas came from, where it was like, maybe we can commission art from, uh, maybe less well-known artists who would benefit from getting their work seen by you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people, uh, and then airdrop that art to everyone in the community. With like the the, the idea not being that these pieces are going to be like financially worth anything monumental, because when you have like five thousand plus NFTs dropped by an artist who has at this point not sold anything or not sold much it's not going to be worth a lot but it is worth a lot in the non-financial sense because people really appreciate the joy of waking up with a new nft waking up with mm. a new piece of art the artists really enjoy the interaction that they have with new collectors new fans one of the, the my favorite things that happened was an artist uh in zenmas last year that we, we'd share their piece every day um, airdrop it to the community uh, maybe write a little blurb about them and post a link to like you know their Twitter or their Linktree or Instagram or OpenSea page. And I think on a couple of occasions they had like eight pieces listed for sale and like community members went and found them and bought them up. And uh it supported the artists in another way. So that's basically the the ethos of Zenmus. And we did it again in sort of July, August this year, the the, the idea being like Christmas in July, Zenmus in July. Uh and, and so that that went really well as well. And we have it coming up again in December. And I think going forward we might just stick to once a year, Christmas time, but it was fun to experiment with a with a one in July. Yeah, super fun.
1: Uh, it's also nice. I mean, I got I got them and I I went through a bit of a an addictive phase and bought hundreds of NFTs. Um, uh, so I was like giving them away also to friends mm. who were like wanting to get into the space you know so it's also a fun thing that you can sort of pass on outside Mm -hmm. of you know the community to to friends who don't have one you know and then they get kind of excited and the people i did give to have now also started sort of collecting and are playing in space it's 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 almost like a catalyst for change
0: and one of my favorite things as well is when because a lot of people's first nft is zen academy genesis because their friends would be like they would like a lot of people that in the space might gift them a Genesis token. This was a lot more true first Zenmas when the price was a lot lower and more affordable. But uh we actually have something coming up to make a, a free entry for Zen Academy. But um the first NFT and the only NFT would be Zen Academy, and then they'd have like all these art pieces. So their wallet was like a Zen Academy, and then like if you can even just like someone has one NFT to go to two NFTs, you're doubling the amount of NFTs they have if you. Go, Ten NFTs, they have 10 times as many NFTs. And so I think a lot of newer people valued them and appreciated them a little more than the people that have, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of NFTs and they have tons and tons of pieces that they can't really spend as much time appreciating. If someone's all they have is is a bunch of beautiful Zenmas art, it's it it's tends to mean a little more, which is awesome.
1: Mm. That's also like a little mini collection, which is exciting, yeah, but you you mentioned it again now when you were talking. The word "free" comes up a lot in your hmm. in your you know in everything you kind of do and talk about. Can you talk about a little bit about why you believe things should be free and why you create so much stuff that you give away for for nothing?
0: couple of reasons one is uh when it comes to education, I think education. Should be as free as possible for as many people as possible. I mean, in the reality of the world, is that that can't always be the case, and someone needs to subsidize education because it costs to make educational content, videos, produce them, write them. You need to find a way to pay for it somehow. But in an ideal world, there would be enough free education for everyone. And the kind of is like the internet is beautiful, like that. You know, if someone has an internet connection, they can learn most things right now. And so that's like one philosophy. The other is that. That's like the um, altruistic point of view. And then the other is like the, the capitalistic point of view, I guess, which is just generally speaking, if you're trying to build a massive community, trying to build a larger brand, trying to build a large audience, if you just try and monetize that audience very early on, it's like if you really, I think, kneecap your ability to grow a little bit and you can supercharge your growth by putting everything out for free for as long as possible and as long as the quality is high, people are sharing it, people are liking it, and then perhaps you can release some sort of premium paid something or other. Um and, and that comes in many forms. Or maybe you never have to do that. You can do like ethical affiliate links or you can do other things mm. to generate revenue that keeps the content free. And and there are there are ways to monetize um down the line. So I think yeah, just generally speaking, it's great to have as much stuff out there for as many people out there as like top of the funnel and, and as more people can can find it and, and be helped by it. And then in the future that I think there will be ways to monetize that and you can do it in a way that is hopefully uh ethical and in a way that doesn't Yeah, it just doesn't really harm the overall value of the brand or the content or the community.
1: Mm. I mean there's lots of You know, I think there's lots of brands that have built huge equity like this. I mean, Ted pops to mind. Mm. Uh, One of our guests uh, on the show, or actually been on the podcast twice, is a guy named Jack Butcher with Visualize Value. Also, same thing, that creating high-end content and giving it away leads to people paying attention. But not only that, I think there's also this idea that that people who follow for a long time and who receive for a long time feel almost like a sense of obligation or you know they feel like they owe something you know mm-hmm. even though you've never asked for something which is i think when you do go well now we have something that you can buy or we have mm. something that you can support or we have some way of you actually kind of giving back i think the They've already they're already ready to pay for something because mm. they've gotten so much back in terms of value.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's that's. I think that's the right approach as well because if you haven't given them value, then you shouldn't be asking for anything or being paid. If, <laughs> if you ask to be paid first and then be like, "I'll give you value," or like, "I've done something for a month, now pay me and and it, it sort of is a little difficult. So I think like when I launched Zen Academy, I had been doing daily stats and I'd been doing my news and stuff for. I mean, five, six months, which is actually not that long in, in the grand scheme of things. But in the NFT space, it seemed like a while and um, people had gotten value out of a lot of my stuff. And there were many people that said, All right, I'm happy to support and buy this because of what you've already done, let alone for maybe if you keep doing stuff with this, maybe good things will happen. Um mm-hmm. I think Mr. Beast is a great example. His, he just creates awesome YouTube videos. And I mean, it's on YouTube, everyone can watch it for free. But obviously, he's mm. now made squillions of dollars through all sorts of other ways. Um, yeah, like, I don't know, coffee, chocolate, whatever he sells, uh, Jeez, advertising companies will give him millions of dollars. It's, yeah, there's a lot of ways to monetize uh, in the future if you can afford not monetizing now.
1: I love that. I mean, Mr. Beast is a great example. And he said that thing of like, when I give, if anyone gives me money, I just give it away. And then he did a video about six months later. It's like, people keep just giving me more and more money and (laughs) I have to give away more and it's getting more difficult. You know, to give away $10,000 is quite easy to give away $10 million suddenly becomes a much more difficult sort of thing to do, especially since you don't want to just dump $10 million on a single person and sort of, throw their entire life into chaos. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this is weird thing like you, you're trying to push it out and people keep throwing it at you, which is, is fun and, and simple. So so thinking about this, you know, I guess you've you've now seen a lot and been part of a lot in in kind of the web 3 space. And you mentioned earlier that projects are asking you to to advise them, but some of them you felt were just trying to use you for, for reach or for retweets. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how people should approach, you know, people like yourself in the space. So there's, there's going to be a lot of people who are thinking about starting a project. Like how do you get, what is the best way to extract sort of support and insights and value from somebody like you? And what are the things that sort of put you off when, when people are, approach you um and and you can smell what they're doing
0: uh i mean i think there's a few various tiers that i i think i write a lot about a lot (laughs) but like if you're trying to launch a project i have a good amount of content and i think some youtube video definitely youtube videos good amount of written content and stuff about you know some general tips on Know, things that you should do things you should maybe avoid and just like giving my thoughts on you know a lot of the stuff that i might give in a one-on-one advisory call with someone mm-hmm. obviously it'll be a little more specific to their situation but i'll go and create that same content and just like take them out of the equation and generalize and be like this is kind of how i approach these types of situations and so there's a lot of free content out there within zen academy we have um i mean just literally i'm active in the discord join there ask me a question i'm 99 percent likely to answer it just just that's one very easy way to approach me uh i think like dms cold dms get a little trickier because there's just so much inbound coming across twitter linkedin discord everywhere now that i i miss a lot i just like don't even see a lot and they're not the ones that i see m- the majority i probably can't even reply to so mm. if you're trying to sort of yeah uh generally speaking it's difficult to reach me through dms or something but zen academy discord is great um we have these founders calls every week now where we hold them on uh, like a, a google meet video call basically where anyone is free to join it's not token gated it's just literally anyone that has found their way into the zen academy community can hop on and um you know chat about themselves, their project, get advice from me, from others and network. And that's another way. And then the final tier is like actually hiring me as an advisor uh, for your project, which is something that we're exploring. I'm exploring more and more because I think of it as a pretty viable revenue stream for myself, obviously, but also Zen Academy as a business Mm -hmm. or Zen Labs, actually, which is the parent company and figuring out how to sort of provide those services both myself but other getting other people as well to be advisors under the Zen Academy or Zen Labs banner where we help facilitate and provide some resources and, and services and then take a percentage of the advisory um, revenue re- advisory fee anyway uh, in order like if you want to hire me I'm uh, at the moment I'm not really looking for any new positions because things are really hectic on my end with we have a lot <laughs> happening but basically I'll have a new website launching in the next I've been saying the next one or two weeks for like six weeks. It's, it's basically ready to go actually to fine tune it. Uh, actually, when is this podcast going out?
1: <laughs> It'll be out in probably a month from today. Okay, so then
0: I'm going to light fire. Zeneca.xyz. <laughs> okay. uh, there's an advisory page there. There'll be a form you can fill out and then we'll get back to you. That's the easiest way to reach out if that's something you're looking for. But yeah, I'll also say that if you are looking for just the marketing, the promotion side, then it's just it's not something I'm interested in. And uh, try And I try and keep my advisory relationships strictly um, advisory and strategic. That's interesting.
1: So, you know, you've uh, read quite a bit of your writing and, and listened to quite a few of your interviews and you always talk about kind of growing the overall NFT market. Like, what do you think the the barriers are for the next sort of, you know, million people to come into the space? What do you think the things are that are holding us, holding us back? Um, Which I guess is a loaded way of me saying, what are the opportunities for sort of brands and companies to sort of play in, in the space in the next sort of year or so?
0: I think it's, it's the, technology is di- too difficult to understand for most people. And so as, as much as we can abstract that away, the better and easier it is going to be to onboard people. And like Reddit is the perfect example. Over the last few months, they mm-hmm. released these digital avatars, the collectibles that are literally NFTs, but people they just didn't use that word. They didn't tell people, they allow people to buy them with a credit card and people are like, hey, this is cool. I love this. I love having my own avatar, my own identity. And they basically onboarded, I think 3 million people or 3 million wallets at least, which is just insane. Uh, obviously of that, only a small percentage will be like actually into the technology and, and onboard with it and active and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that is probably the biggest way that we're going to see onboarding and adoption happen over the next few years. It'll be companies like Reddit, companies like Starbucks with their Odyssey program, onboarding people via their loyalty reward system and i mean that's good and great and that gets a lot of people sort of in the door and in the ecosystem and like wrapping their head around what it means to own a digital asset like truly own a digital asset but there's still a huge amount of education needed to take from okay i've I've spent 9.99 on a credit card to buy this digital avatar i quote unquote own it what does that really mean and that that's where you, where you have to start to explain what a blockchain is what uh, decentralization is, what permissionless is, what trustlessness is, how you can transfer it without relying on a central authority. So it's all. It's great to onboard people. And I think that's how, literally how we onboard millions and billions. It's like Trojan horsing them in. But it's really important to make sure we also educate about the true underlying technology and nature of blockchains. Otherwise, we risk ending up in this closed wall closed gardened off ecosystem or many garden closed (laughs) this analogy is falling apart but these um, (laughs) closed off ecosystems in the future where all right all of a sudden you have a reddit nft but you can't um sell it on a free market now that's not the case Reddit's a bad example because they they're a polygon and anyone can sell it but let's say uh i don't know what company comes out uh tiktok maybe comes out with their nfts and then all of a sudden you can only sell them on tiktok well are they really nfts are they Uh, I mean, kind of, but not really. So I think um, uh, educating people about why NFTs are so great and not digital collectibles are so great. Like we've had digital assets for a long time. We've had skins in Fortnite. We've had gaming items. NFTs sort of takes them to the next level and we sort of still need to bridge that gap from digital assets to NFTs. uh, And we're getting there, but it, it requires education plus time plus infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I find that, uh, you know, what you're saying There is it sparks a lot of thoughts, you know, so there's opportunities for brands and products and companies to sort of make the technology invisible. Um, but then mm. there's also on the other side, there's opportunities for brands and companies and products to teach people about this stuff in a way that is kind of, quite meaningful. I mean, my mom was Mm -hmm. asking me about how to buy NFTs and I'm like, like, I don't know if I, if I have it in me to explain (laughs) like the wallet and the 12 word seed phrase and how she can't keep that on her desktop in a word document labeled seed phrase, you know, like there's just so many kind of gaps between her and participating properly in the ecosystem, you know, and, and I guess, the tech will only go a certain way of making the user Mm. experience of that kind of better. But I think it does require people to, to shift the, the way they think about the internet, the way they think about thing, you know, it's, it's almost like getting, you know, and if any of your grandparents are, are, you, you know, have passwords and they can like, never remember their yeah. password. So it's written down in a little book,
0: yeah. you know, now yeah. we yeah. in the
1: internet where people are like stealing passwords and identities and you're like, well, that behavior just can't exist anymore. You can't, it's not yeah. responsible. It's almost like leaving your house unlocked. It's it's just not yeah. something you, you do anymore. So, you know, I think there is yeah. work to be done, but I guess, you know, as being an entrepreneur, the opportunities there, I think, are are vast. You know, for people to sort of a you know create something of meaning, but B also, I think, there's this
0: you know kind of market share and excitement there. So I think the internet, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Yep, sorry, just cut out for like half a second or a second. Uh, I totally agree, and I think that it is it's probably going to take a generation or two before people truly understand, like, self-custodying assets and and the importance of that and uh, maybe less than two generations. But we'll also have infrastructure improvements where maybe instead of seed phrase wallets, you have, like, wallets that are secured by social consensus or something like that, which is, I think, something a lot of people are working on. and It's interesting, yeah, um, where... I don't know exactly how they work, but basically you get like, you 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 nominate like your closest friends and family members or you, you nominate five people. Actually, I, I shouldn't be talking about this because I have no idea how it works, but there will be <laughs> infrastructure improvements where uh, you might not need to sort of, it might not be only seed phrases forever, but if it is only seed phrases forever, um, it'll probably take, you know, a decade or two. Kids will probably get, get taught in school one day. All right, so this is how you set up a wallet. This is how you secure it, make sure it's backed up and not in one place and all that kind of stuff. So it'll take a while, but yeah, it's 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 not there yet. Um, but we'll get there.
1: So I've got, um, I mean, two more questions for you. But my, my second last question is, you know, you made a tweet a while ago about your potential, maybe don't tell anyone about it, impending PFP project. And hmm. I think the last time I looked at it, there was, I think, four and a half thousand comments on it. So do you think there's um, demand or desire <laughs> for a Zeneca PFP project?
0: I mean, I think so. But in this market, who <laughs> knows? You really, it's yes. it's impossible to know. Uh, but yeah, we are, we it's it's coming, it's uh Q1 twenty twenty three is when it will be out and it will be very it'll be within the Zen Academy banner, but I, I can basically the way that we have Zen Academy structured now is we have the three 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 club, which is for like founders, builders, more advanced, and it's very exclusive, and then we have everyone else. And that's like everyone from total beginners to wherever else you might fall on the spectrum. And it up until now has not really been a place for sort of the dgens or the people that are like intermediate or alpha hunters or tinkerers or things like that it's largely been those newer to the space and i think we're trying oh. to sort of elevate the existing holes and, and just kind of be like oh you're graduating now to this new you get access to this pfp and then we're going to incorporate this free um this new NFT that's free that's for anyone and then just basically try and onboard millions into zen academy that way so that's rough big picture stuff uh, Anyway, yeah, PFP is definitely coming. Q1 2023 is the timeline um, for it to all happen. But actually, in the next uh, 10 days, we'll be announcing some things about the road from here to there. So, yeah, that's very exciting.
1: Now, right at the end of our interview, I've got one more question for you, and that is: with everything you've kind of seen and read, and you can kind of see coming, what is the thing that excites you the most? In Web three
0: at the moment, I think the the idea of real world use cases sort of like they they they're getting closer and closer. And by that I mean, well actually, with the whole new Apple terms, terms and conditions, maybe they get, they they step back a, <laughs> thrown back a phase. But basically, what I mean is like. Everyone talks about real world use cases for NFTs. We haven't seen too much of it yet, but things like NFTs as tickets for events, um things like NFTs as loyalty cards which is Starbucks is doing, things like NFTs given out um if you go and see a movie you get a POAP or you get a collectible and then if you collect a bunch of them you you get, you know, access to a, a new screening or a, you know, a discount or a free movie and there's just so many real world use cases. Uh I think that we're going to see a lot more innovation and exciting things happening over the next one or two years. And I mean, the goal is not to do NFTs for the sake of doing NFTs. Like all of these things exist. You know, we have loyalty rewards cards, we have tickets. Um, It's like, why are we reinventing the wheel? It's about how can we take the current systems and models and improve them so that when you buy a ticket to a sporting event, Ticketmaster doesn't charge you nineteen ninety five processing fee and then an $8.50. You get to use our website fee and then a $4.99 if you use a mobile app fee and then a $40 tax. It's like, how can we eliminate some of those fees and transactions and make mm-hmm. things speedier and um, just a better overall experience? And I think that's where uh, in the not too distant future, NFT technology will get us. But yeah, I think that's really exciting. I mean, it's going to be a whole new sort of world model and system and actually it will probably take several years because it's a massive shift but we're getting there and that's what really excites me is when we when when NFTs and blockchain technologies like in, ingrained and interwoven into sort of our day-to-day lives in a way that um just makes life better without having to deal with the mm. complexities of all of it that's very exciting to me
1: correct well, Zeneca, thank you so much for, for your time. Thank you for creating all of the things that you do. Um, we'll share a lot of the links in all the show notes, but thank you so much. And I, I look forward to following along the journey um, and seeing all of the new and exciting things that you create in the next year or two, which in kind of NFT land is probably like two decades or three decades. <laughs> it's forever. Your career.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no thank you so much for for having me here um actually i was going to mention it before when you said about explaining seed phrases to your mom we we did launch this new thing recently called 30 days of nfts which you can just find at 30daysofnfts.com and it's this free email guide to sort of i call it like the mom test like you know i sent it to my mom because i've struggle to explain nfts to her and i said take this see if you can understand it and if you can great we pass and if you can't well we need to go back to the drawing board and and fix some things up but it's it's uh it's open to anyone and i really recommend it if you're just starting out that's our way to try and help onboard people Uh, yeah that's the only thing i wanted to plug but uh, thank you again so much for having me it's been a pleasure
1: Right. i mean i even saw a couple of the people who know a lot about NFTs tweeting about it going oh i didn't know about this particular thing
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's know. always there's so much to
1: learn yeah mm. well zen thank you so much for your time thank you for your energy and yeah we'll catch all of you in the next one bye-bye for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or need some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za.
0: Bye-bye.